Well, good morning. Uh, today we're looking at being formed by Scripture. And uh, I want to begin with, uh, with a testimony. As some of you know, uh, I was brought up attending a middle-of-the-road Methodist church in North Shields on Tyneside. But at the age of 13, through the school Christian Union in Newcastle, I was invited to a Youth for Christ rally in Newcastle City Hall, where I gave my life to Christ. And my life became different. God was no longer out there, but in here, inside me. The Bible was no longer an old book that people used to read in church, but the living Word of God. And I wanted to serve this Jesus the best I could. And I made several promises to God at the time. I'm not going to tell you what they all were now. But one of them was uh, to read my Bible and pray every day. And apart from a handful of days, uh, that's been my life's pattern. Reading the Bible and praying every day, usually in the morning. So I was attending this uh, liberal Methodist church on a Sunday and this uh, evangelical Christian union at school. I remember having heated discussions with my minister about the authority of Scripture. And as Matt explained the other week, liberal theology is looking at the Bible through the eyes of the world. Whereas evangelical theology is looking at the world through the eyes of the Bible. And it makes a huge difference. And when I studied classics and theology at university, uh, while seeking to maintain an evangelical position, I also became aware of the diversity in the scripture, the importance of symbolism and imagery, and not everything was to be taken literally. I then got ordained and served in parishes in London and Barnsley, seeking to teach and preach the Bible. But you know, when you deal with people's problems and ethical issues, in an Anglican setting particularly, sometimes you're... Um, convictions can slightly weaken. And uh, then in 2002, when I was 50, I attended a revival camp in Uganda where I believe God spoke to me and gave me a new name and told me to be a man of one book and said to me, this is my word. This is my word. Since retiring in 2018, I've had more time to read and reflect, to study and question the Bible in its complexity as well as its simplicity. And I've been very stimulated by uh, two particular uh, writers, Bishop Tom Wright, who you all know, and Dr. Michael Heiser, Old Testament scholar who's recently died, a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Do recommend them to you. And these are some of the conclusions I've come up with. There are basically three ways of understanding or interpreting a Bible passage. The first one is to try and discover the original context of the passage. What did it mean to those who first heard it or read it or spoke it? So here we're interested in the diversity in Scripture, the unique insights which each writer shared. And when we study this historical context, it's sometimes called biblical theology. The second approach 
is to look at how the passage is interpreted in the New Testament, how it fits into the whole canon of Scripture, culminating in Jesus. In other words, stressing the unity of Scripture. This approach we could call systematic theology. It seeks to see the passage in the light of the whole of the Bible. The third approach is to discover what is the passage saying to me in my present situation. That might have nothing to do with the historical context or even the context of the whole of Scripture. It's just what God is saying to me now. And we could call that prophetic application. Let me illustrate this by a rather controversial example from Isaiah chapter 53. Verse 3. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Now, in the original context of the Jewish nation, the prophet is talking about a special servant of God who would one day offer up his life for the sake of his people because of their sins, so that the political and emotional wounds of the people of Israel, their suffering, their trauma, their humiliation, would somehow be healed. But in the New Testament... This verse is applied to Jesus dying for the sins of the whole world so we might be forgiven and our spiritual wounds might be healed. So 1 Peter 2 verse 24 interpreted this way. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So that would be the canonical or systematic meaning of the passage. The first one was emotional, political healing, then it's spiritual healing. But if you were sick with some terrible disease and you're reading this, this verse one day, wondering how it applied to you, the Holy Spirit might apply it to you and promise you physical healing. Now, that doesn't mean that every sick person will be healed, but that sometimes God might apply that verse to you in a prophetic way. I hope that makes sense. So there could be two different meanings to a passage, but they're complementary, but never contradictory. They all help each other to, to see the deeper meaning of the passage. So how do we use these three approaches. Well, when we're reading the Bible and we only have five or ten minutes, what we, what we want, what we need, is, is, is the prophetic application. What is God saying to me today in my situation? I'm rushing off, I've only got five minutes, what are you saying to me today, God? But if we have more time, if we're studying themes in the Bible, we might want to use cross-references, which are still in some Bibles. We might want to look at various pa other passages which contain the same word or theme like healing or, or grace or holiness to get a more systematic picture. 
And if you can make even more time for Bible study, you might want to use a study Bible or a commentary, which will give you more of the historical background to the passage, so you get an even deeper understanding. And there are plenty of resources online, which I'll mention later. So how do we develop good spiritual habits for scriptural formation? Well, the important thing is to read the Bible regularly. Ideally, daily. And keep on reading it. All of it. And when you don't understand something, ask God to help you. Look up some study materials. Ask someone who might know. If you've never read the Bible before, then start with something like the Gospel of Mark, then maybe the book of Genesis, and then maybe the Gospel of John. But eventually, try and read all of the New Testament, and as much of the Old Testament as you can, because it forms you. It forms you. We don't realize how much of our thinking is informed and molded by the society around us until we start reading the Bible all the way through. Even if we read Christian books or magazines or devotionals or watch YouTube clips or listen to Christian podcasts, you're only getting Christian stuff from a particular angle, which is probably what the angle you're most comfortable with. But when you read through the Old Testament, the histories, the prophets, the Psalms, and the Gospels and the New Testament letters, you realize just how big God is. How different he is from how society and even the church sometimes perceive him. He is so holy. And he wants us to be holy. And he really hates our sin and what it does to us. But he really, really loves us. He really, really loves us. And Paul's words in Romans 12 verse 2 are so relevant to this scriptural formation. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How does that happen? Well, let's look at Psalm 1, which is... Uh, One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Here we see the need for scriptural formation. The godly person that we're all called to be is careful about the influences on their life. 
They try to avoid following the advice of wicked people, whether online or on TV or down the pub. They don't hang around when sinners are mobilizing for doing something wrong. And they don't join in the mockery or the nastiness of the in-crowd. Instead, they seek to form their minds, their thoughts, their words, and their actions according to God's principles revealed in the Scripture. They wrestle with the Scripture to see how it relates to their particular temptations. And they delight as they catch the wisdom of God, the grace of God, and the voice of God through the Scripture. And they meditate, they think about what they've read day and night. And what does that produce in them? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Here's this beautiful tree. The water rises up from the river of the Holy Spirit and brings life and light to that person so that they bear fruit and prosper. Even when they have struggles, sickness, opposition, people can see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives. That they're somehow, in the midst of all these difficulties, they're strong. And they're not being moved from where they stand. They stand firm. Unlike the ungodly, the wicked, those who have no time for God. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Compare a huge, mighty oak tree with a pile of rubbishy husks of corn or chaff. That's the difference. When troubles come, the one who meditates on God's word, who takes it in and puts it into practice, will stand strong. While those who don't know what they believe or why will probably be blown about by the wind. Who do I believe? Who do I believe? Who do I believe? Who do I believe? Jesus said something similar in his parable of the house on the rock. He said the person who hears his words and puts them into practice will stand firm in troubles because he stands on a firm foundation of a rock. But the person who doesn't put them into practice Jesus said, will be washed away. And I believe that's especially the case in the current huge disagreement about same-sex marriage in the church. Those Christians who either don't know their Bible or don't read it regularly to be spiritually formed or maybe choose to ignore or reinterpret some of its teaching instead of submitting to it they, I believe, will be swept along by society's mad dash to throw off the rules that God has given us for human flourishing. Because people want to be free from any constraints so they can do what they want to do. And they want the church to agree with them. But my brothers and sisters, let's be like the tree rather than the chaff.
Let's build our lives on the rock of obeying the teaching of the New Testament. This is a wonderful book. It's the greatest book ever written and the greatest book ever neglected by Western society. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Memorize it if you've still got any memory cells left in your brain. <coughs> Which I haven't. And there are lots of Bible apps to help you. And these are four of the most brilliant ones. Nicky Gumbel's Bible in a Day. Bible in One Year. <laughs> Bible in One Year. My wife says it's great. Uh, Nicky reads the Bible passages to you and gives you an interpretation. And it's a great, great um, gift. The Bible U version, many of you will use, has every version of the Bible you can think of, plus lots of other materials. It's all for free. Great stuff. The one I personally use for more in-depth study of the Bible is the Olive Tree Bible app. And I have all my Bibles, Greek and Hebrew commentaries and dictionaries on my iPad using that app. Uh, so I do recommend that. And then the Bible Project is fantastic. It produces hundreds of amazing videos of animated drawings explaining every book of the Bible, all the themes. It's wonderful. And if the video works, we've got a sample for you. Does it work? It doesn't work. Really? What a shame. Well, go on the Bible Project app or um, website and you'll be amazed by all the resources there. No? It's great. <laughs> Find it for yourself. And if you, if, if you need some help, uh, do download at least one of those apps or ask a friend or, or chat to me uh, anytime. So finally, how can you and I be formed and transformed by the renewal of our minds? by the scriptures. Maybe we need to read or watch less of the unhelpful stuff which is conforming our minds and emotions to worldly values. How can we carve out time in our busy life to read, mark, learn and inwardly digest the words of scripture day by day? <clears throat>